you see my wife is not here. It's two weeks in a row. Grandkids, I tell you what, uh, she's actually in Springfield today babysitting uh, Joel's kids. Uh, Heidi is out of town at a conference, adoption conference, and Joel had to work today, so she got to go down and, and watch uh, kids uh, again this week. So I, I'm planning on her being at church next week. If she's not, you guys need to send her a card and uh, or go rebuke her or something. But uh, anyway, so uh, I get to talk a little bit about her today since she's not here, and, and just you don't need to tell her anything I said. Uh, I've been, Reed and I've been married, uh, will be 39 years this, uh, June, June 23rd, uh, will be our 39th wedding anniversary. And in, in the 38 plus years that we've been married, I've figured out a couple things. Only a couple things. And, but one of the things I figured out, so guys, you might want to, if you can, it's not in the notes today, our summer notes, but you can just kind of jot it down at the bottom because this is really important. Uh, for you to know this, and 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 the sooner you figure it out. So you younger couples that haven't been married long, I mean, this is this is big. But even us people been married a long time, it's, we we need to be reminded of this. One thing I figured out is that men and women are different. Did you get that? If you'll remember that, I mean, that's going to save a lot of trouble in your life. Let me let me give you an uh, an example. I'm, I'm just kind of give you a physical example. Hopefully, this doesn't mess up the mic when I when I do this. But Rita and I walk different, uh, different ways. Uh, and particularly when we're going somewhere. When I go somewhere, I'm on a mission. I know where I'm going and, uh, you know, I'm at point A and, uh, I'm gonna go to point B. And so for the most part, I go from A to B. And that's just, let me physically illustrate it. If, if I've got to get to the back of the church, this is how I do it. And usually I do it quickly. Now you're, yeah, it is kind of messing up, isn't it? Now, do I turn around and look, or do I still look at the empty stage? Okay, let me tell you how. Let me show you how Rita does it. If she's going from point A to point B, this is Rita. <laughs> and I'll pretend like you are. Uh, we're in a store, and she's looking through the stuff. I mean, it's, I probably should look. She cannot go from point A to point B. She has to stop and look and and and. Maybe that'll stop making noise. But but she does things differently than I. This came out, it's been several years ago now, but when, when we had our 25th anniversary, we took a vacation. Uh, uh, and we I mentioned this last week that I like to go on cruises and ask, ask you about that. We went uh, on a Caribbean cruise on, to celebrate our 25th anniversary. And, and, it, and, and I can re- look back and remember this. There were numerous times where we walked at a different pace. Uh, we would go on the cruise from our room to the pool, and I would, I would gather, of course, it always took forever to gather stuff. Me, I grabbed a towel. Rita had to have, you, you know, all the stuff, ladies, you have to have to go to the pool. But, but, but I'd grab my towel and a book, and I was ready to go. And, and so I would have, and it took her forever. I mean, we're just going to the pool. And I'm thinking, honey, we only have 12 hours at the pool. We've got to get there and, and get our spot. But, but it just took her forever to get. And, and I remember at, at a couple of stops, we stopped in St. Thomas, and I remember getting off the off the ship there, and we were. I wasn't excited about this, but we headed down to a shopping area, and I'm thinking, okay, she wants to look at some jewelry. Now we didn't find any, but she wanted to look at it. So there's the jewelry store. We go there. Well, we stopped at about five different jewelry stores, even though she knew she wasn't going to buy anything. She looked, and 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 then someone was selling something else, and we stopped, and I'm. The whole time I'm walking, and this happened over and over 
again. I, I remember even when we were coming home, we were in the Dallas airport, and I remember we went and got some to eat, and we're heading back, and she's shopping in the Dallas airport, and, and you don't, you know, you never buy anything in the airport, and, and yet she's window shopping, and I, I finally had enough, and I'm like, I'm just, I know where I'm going, and so I just ran off, and I didn't run, but I, I walked briskly, because I had a mission to get to my gate so I could sit down and wait for an hour and a half for my flight, but, but I went straight there. Now, I'll be honest, there, there, there were numerous times that this happened. Let, let me, uh, and I'll make an application here in just a second. Let's, let's look to Scripture. If you have your Bibles here this morning, turn with me to the book of Romans. Um, the book of Romans, and we're, we're going to look at a few verses there, verses, uh, chapter 15, verses 1 to 7, kind of in context, if you want to go back and, and read this later, you can actually go back and read chapter 14 and, cha- and these verses in chapter 15. Uh, to give another context, we'll look at some verses there. Go over to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Gives us some of the same things that we're going to look at uh, here this morning. But in, in Romans chapter 15, the first seven verses, Paul says this to, to the believers there. He says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself as it is written. The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as uh, as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now catch verse 7. This is where we're looking at today. Accept one another. Accept one another. Then as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to Him. We are called, uh, as we look at this series, we're in the series of of one another. We are called to uh, accept one another. Um, we're going to look at that in, in two applications. You see there in your notes. One of them, one of the applications, we're going to spend most of the time here. So when we get this one done, hey, we're, we're on the, 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 the last stretch of the sermon. There's two applications. One of them is implicit. Really, it's what the text is specifically talking about. And one of them is implied. The second one is kind of an implied application. So, so we won't spend a whole lot of time there. We're going to look at the one that's implicit that, that is from the contest. We are to accept one another, first of all, accept one another in the church. I've spent, in the, the time that I've been here, I've spent a lot of time, uh, it seems like a lot of sermons, we've talked about loving one another and forgiving one another and believing in one another and forgiving one All All this idea, and we're, and we're doing this whole series on one another. It is, in, it is important for us as a church to get this one another stuff done because Jesus said, when, when the when the world sees us loving each other, when the world sees that we've got it together as a group, then then they'll know who he is. So so it is invaluable that we figure out this one another stuff when we are when we are when we are drawn to one another, when we accept one another and love and forgive and comfort and endure. When we get that down, then then not only will we see who Christ is, but but the world we'll see who he is as well. It is important for us to get this figured out. Now, now when, when, when we were on vacation on our 25th, uh, and I kept turning around and looking at Rita, and, 
And I would love to say that, that, that usually I looked at her like, you know, with, with a smile and, and I was patient and just, I'm going to wait for you to catch up. But, but I, I had an attitude. I, I know I did. And, and I, you know, that, that really says a lot without saying anything. You know, she would see the breath and, and then it, that slowed her down uh, even more, I think. Because uh, she looked at things she didn't want to look at just because she knew it was ticking me off. <laughs> you can tell her that because she knows it. And, uh, but I would like, but, but you know what? My, my reason for wanting her to catch up to me and walk with me was really, was pure in, in motive. We were on our 25th wedding anniversary. And we were celebrating our love. We were celebrating 25, a quarter of a century together. We were, we were remembering our wedding day. And I kind of felt like we should be walking hand in hand everywhere we went, and we weren't. But, but you know what I was really doing? You know, cut through the garbage. Ladies, you already know this. You know what I was really doing when I stopped and I looked at her and, and was thinking and sometimes saying, Rita, come on and catch up. You know what I was saying to her? I really was saying, Rita, walk at my speed. Remember what I was saying? I, I, I was saying, Rita, my speed is the correct speed. My speed is you get from here to there. You don't stop and look. Rita, Rita, catch up to me. Walk at my speed. Paul says to the church here, accept one another. And what he's, what he's saying to us, because church, we have to, we have to be careful that we don't have the attitude of Tim, uh, and, and, and we say to other people in the church, walk at my speed. You have to do things my way. So we need to accept, and it's kind of an interesting thing, we need to accept the weakness in other people's position. We need to accept the weakness in their position. Now, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the, uh, the context of where this came from, and, and it's kind of a weird one as far as we understand it. This, what I'm going to talk about doesn't really apply to us too much for the most part. At least I, I don't believe it does. But, but we'll see what it means. He, he won't be giving us a specific teaching that hits us where we are, but, but there's a principle here that we need to understand. What was happening in the early church once the church left the confines of Jerusalem, Judea, and Israel proper, once it started to to spread out over the world, particularly after the Apostle Paul began to go on his missionary journeys and began to preach to the Gentiles and people all over the world began to, to call on the name of Christ, what was happening is that, that there were a lot of churches that were Gentile churches. They they weren't Jewish churches. Now, now sometimes they would have Jews mixed in as well, which kind of muddied the waters a little bit, but, but they were Gentile churches. And here's the problem that they were having. These Gentile churches, for the most part, all these new believers had come to know Christ out of a world of idolatry. In other words, in the, in the Roman culture, there were, there were dozens and dozens of different gods that they could worship and different idols that they could sacrifice and bow down to. And when they came to know Christ as the one and only, the true God, when they, they came to know Jesus, they suddenly had to had to turn their back on their idolatry. They had to look at the things that they used to sacrifice to, that used to be important to them, and they would turn their back on them. And it was actually a good thing that they, they would look at their old life and realize that they were new. Scripture tells us that when we're in Christ, the old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And they embraced that idea. But it created a problem in the church because in in their culture, 
when when sacrifices were made to foreign gods, so so someone would sacrifice a goat or a lamb or 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 a heifer. They they would sacrifice an animal to God. Oftentimes, what happened was that the meat from that sacrifice would find its way into uh, a, a meat market. It would find its way into the grocery store. John's market would sell potentially. I don't think they do, but potentially they, they their supplier might have been one of these places that, that took these sacrifices. Uh, and, and what was going on was the Christian believer who had been a Gentile, or who was a Gentile, who had, who had once sacrificed, they suddenly realized, you know what, I'm called to give up my old way of life. And so suddenly they, they were met with a crisis of conscience. Can I buy meat that was sacrificed to an idol? This was sacrificed to something that I used to believe in. That, that is phony, that's false. And, and so what they came to do was suddenly have this, uh, this belief that it was wrong for them to eat meat sacrificed to idols. Now, you have to respect, you have to respect their, uh, th- their faith there. You have to respect their convictions that they wanted to stay away uh, from the way things were and, and by not eating that meat, uh, thus, they, they, they were honoring their, their new faith. But here's the problem. Some people didn't have a problem with it. There, there were some believers who thought, I don't care who it was offered to. It's just meat. We'll, we'll look here in a second. That's actually the way the Apostle Paul saw it. And if you want to really look, I think Jesus really probably saw it that way as well. But it, it's just meat. It doesn't make any difference who it had been sacrificed to. But what was happening was, was it fell and there were two different groups and it morphed into, it morphed into a challenge. And we're going to make a point for our church here today in just a second. It morphed into a problem because there, there were some believers who said, I can't eat meat that was sacrificed to idols, which is great. You got to respect that. But then they wanted to say, since I believe that, you have to believe that. Since I think it's wrong to eat meat offered to, to a false idol, then that means if you're a Christian, you can't eat meat offered to, to sacrifice. Uh, the, the flip side of that were those, and again, Paul kind of fell into to this group. The, the flip side of that is, is those who believe like it's just meat, who cares? And they took the same, kind of with the same attitude there of, I am right. I can eat any meat I want. It doesn't make any difference. You can't tell me what I'm supposed to do. The, the purpose of Paul writing here in Romans 15, n- number one is to deal with this, this problem. I mean, it, it doesn't affect us today, but it affected them. Paul wrote to specifically talk about that, but what he really wrote for was, guys, unity is important. And, and this is breaking the church apart. This is, we're having squabbles and we're having people upset. And, and, and the way he describes it is a weakness. Um, if you're there in, in uh, Romans chapter 15, if you had your Bibles open, notice what he said in verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. So, so he's talking about some group there that has a, uh, has a weak position. Uh, Look back in Romans chapter 14. He says, Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. 
Once one man's faith may uh, allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables, so became a vegetarian. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. So Paul, Paul is challenging the church here. Number one, with a problem. I mean, it was an issue in the church. Some were saying, I don't eat meat, and I'm more holy than you who do. And others were saying, I can eat meat. You guys are being ridiculous if you don't. And it was creating problems. Paul speaks of it. Hold your finger there in, in, in Romans chapter 15 and, and run with, with me, if you will, over to Roman, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verses 23 through 26. Paul's addressing this same problem to the churches in Corinth. He says there in verse 20, thing, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising question of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Paul's basically saying, don't worry about it. If you show up at a non-believer's house, don't ask him, where did this meat come from? Just eat it. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. So Paul kind of fell in, uh, in, in that, that camp. Uh, in, in Romans chapter 14, verse 14, Paul kind of addresses it again there. He says, as one who is in the Lord, Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. So Paul's basically saying, it, Paul's attitude is, it's me. Don't worry about it. But, but except the one, except the one who has the problem with it. Paul is telling uh, there in uh, in verse one of chapter fifteen, you who are strong. So Paul, Paul Paul's saying to to us who who think that we're mature, and, and maybe we are. Those of us who think we've got it all together, well, maybe we do. For those of us who who've arrived and figured out, he's he's saying, no matter where people fall on this issue. Be accepting. That that was the rub. Chuck Swindoll says this: accepting others is basic to is basic to letting them be. Now catch this: the problem in Paul's day was not a meat problem. Now I spent a lot of time here explaining that it what was going on, but Swindoll hits the point: it wasn't a meat problem; it was a love problem, an exception, uh, an acceptance problem. Let let me. Let me poll you just real quick. I, I just want to get a feel for where you fall. I, I want to see if you're right or wrong on this issue. Just by showing, by, by raising your hand, show me. Uh, how many believe that we can eat meat offered to idols? Boy, you guys are awful bashful. <laughs> there's, there's only about six of you that are joining me in the right position. Are you catching that? But you were like this. So, so okay, those of you that didn't raise your hands, you got to raise it to this one. How many of you think it is wrong to eat meat offered to idols? How many of you are listening? Because a lot of you didn't raise your hand. I know, I'm not committing on this one, right? That's what you're saying. Okay. It, it doesn't make a difference because I don't know where if meat's been offered to idols and I'm like Paul. Don't even ask. So, so it's, so this really doesn't hit us. So what, why are we at church today if he's talking about meat offered to idols? How does this apply to us? Um, Tuesday and Wednesday, I, uh, I, I got to go down to Joppa. I think the, the leadership or allowing me to go down to a, to a convention, the preaching and, ten, uh, preaching and teaching convention at Ozark Christian College. Uh, I, I had, a, had a great time, heard some great preaching, got to go to some, some cool workshops, uh, 
ran across a, an old college friend of mine that w- was one of my best friends and didn't realize he was going to be there um, and got to hang with him for a couple of days. Got to hang out with Colton. Uh, I, I went on Wednesday morning, I went to his 7 o'clock OT history class with Griff. Uh, Griff uh, is the professor. He's a guy I went to uh, uh, to college with. This Just a little side as, as uh, we're sitting in class and, and the professor, uh, uh, Professor Griffin, I should say, but everyone calls him by his nickname Griff. He walked in and everyone started clapping for him. And I'm like, "Wow, I'm impressed." And did you ever have Griff, Johnny? Okay, and uh, and everyone started clapping. So he was passing out a quiz, and as he came up to me and said hi to me, I said, "Man, Griff, I'm impressed. Everyone's clapping for you." And uh, he said, "They do that every class." I said, "I don't know where that came from." And I whispered to Griff, "Well, it's not as bad as Brother Hunter." When, when I was in college, I had a professor, Brother Hunter, who taught Old Testament. Uh, um, uh, Old, well, Old Testament history and restoration history and church history and the boring classes uh, he taught and he was a boring teacher and every day every day every class sang happy birthday to him every day and so I said to Griff I said, well at least it's not like Brother Hunter and Griff said shut up don't let him know that <laughs> so I think I'm going to send a message to a Colton hey hey, try this but but I got to hang out with, with Colton and take him out to eat uh, on, on Wednesday evening and, and got to do that. And, and another cool thing is my son Brian, who's in ministry in Tulsa, was at the same convention. So I got to hang with Brian, uh, for, for, uh, for a couple of days and just had a great time. Uh, Wednesday morning, uh, at the, the 10 a.m. session, I, uh, I found Brian in the lobby and we went and sat down and we were sitting there before the session started and he began to yawn and, and after he yawned, he said, man, I said, I'm, I'm wore out. I'm tired. He said, the, the fire alarm went off this morning in my motel at 5.30. Uh, I said, oh, wow. And he's, he said, yeah, I woke up. I said, it only lasted about 15, 20 seconds. It went off. But he said, I woke up, and, and as I'm trying to, you know, uh, figure out what it was and realize, okay, that's probably a fire alarm. And he said, then I'm thinking, do I see smoke? Uh, but then he decided, no, it's just my eyes. You know, I haven't got my eyes cleared up yet. And then, and then he said, do I, he started, do I smell smoke? And then he said, oh, no, it, 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 I'm smelling the cigar smoke on my clothes. Now, let me tell you a story. Brian told me that night before Tuesday night that um, after the main session, he, he, he semi-invited me to go. He knew I wouldn't, uh, but I guess he felt he needed to at least kind of toss it out there in case I, I wanted to. But he pointed out that he was going to a cigar, uh, cigar bar. Did you know that was his thing? I didn't even know that was his thing. But he was going to a cigar bar. Uh, now, he was invited. Now, catch this. He was invited. I think his name is Scott DeFazio. I may have got his, his first name wrong. He's a professor at Ozark. He's a professor at, Eric would probably go with him, but, uh, but, but, uh, uh, but, but a professor had invited him to go to a cigar bar. And, uh, and Brian said, I, now, uh, Ozark professors have to sign an agreement not to drink, but apparently they can smoke. And, uh, uh, and, and a bunch of other colleagues, friends, I, there was a bunch of them that went there that night. Now, I'm not exactly sure what a cigar bar is. Obviously, there are cigars there. But I think it's probably a bar, too. I would assume you can get alcoholic drinks and, and so forth. So, so let me tell you my first thought. When Brian said, I, I woke up and I thought I smelled smoke. Then I realized, oh, no, that's my cigar smoke. And he's complaining because, and then he had told me that he didn't get back to motel till uh, after midnight and alarm goes off at 5.30 or whatever. And you, you don't know what my first thought was? Serves you right. My first thought was, you shouldn't have been at a bar. 
cigar bar or not, you shouldn't have been. My, my first thought was, you shouldn't have been there. Who am I in this story? I'm, I am, uh, I'm probably actually who Paul, I, now I want to be in verse 1 of chapter 15, we who are strong ought to bear. That's who I want to be, but you know what? I'm wondering if, if Paul's not talking about me when he says to bear with the failings of the weak. Um, you can pick your, and we can debate these in love on, on certain issues. Uh, but I, I, my personal belief, and I think I mentioned this before, this is my belief. It doesn't extend to my wife or my kids or any of you. But my belief is that I have to stay away from alcohol. There's a lot of reasons for that. Number one, I've tried it a couple of times and I hated it. So it's a real easy conviction for me because I don't, I haven't found anything I like. So that's great. Uh, easy to stay uh, true to that conviction. But, but I stay away from, I had an uncle that was an alcoholic and, and I saw how he treated his wife and his family and, uh, and, and I was scared of him most of the time. And so you know, if, if I could, I don't want to be like that. That's one. I believe it's pro- for me as a pastor, it's wrong. For me as a Christian, it's wrong. Paul actually talks about that later in, in chapter 14. If, if you, if you're convicted of that, then you shouldn't do it, even if someone else can do it and not be convicted. So, so for me, it's wrong. Now, now I'm not making that judgment of you. In fact, in, in this application, I'm the one who struggles with I think I'm right. I think Christians shouldn't drink. That, that's how I was raised and I've, I've fought with that. But my biggest problem is not my conviction. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with my conviction. If you have the same one, hey, that's great. My struggle is believing that my conviction has to be yours. That's where my sin comes in. That's where my acceptance has to be challenged. And so I think when Paul talks here, he's not telling, he's not saying, Tim, you are strong because you have such a strong conviction. He's saying, Tim, you're weak because you think everyone has to think just like you. So, so we are challenged. Um, and spent a lot, a lot of time on that. I'm sorry. We are challenged then to, to accept people, even, um, uh, be accepting of them, even in the weakness of, of their position, even if you think what they might believe doesn't fit with what you think you might believe, you know we have to accept one another. Now, now in areas of of, uh, of theology, there's that, that doesn't apply. On areas of sin, it doesn't apply. But 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 we, there, there's lots of different things. So church, church, just be aware when those things come up, and they do come up in the church. When some of those things come, is, is can a Christian do this? Just Understand what Paul was saying here was accept one another. Now, now he was shooting for unity. That's what he wanted. He's telling us, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but he was telling us, don't be a, a, a stumbling block to someone. So, so there's a challenge for us as well, but, but we are called to accept people in their position. We're also called to accept people even in the weakness of their profession. We have to accept people where they are. Even if they aren't doing what we think they should, and they're not doing what we, th- and they are doing what we think they shouldn't do. So, so in other words, even if we think there's, there may be some sin of commission, doing something you shouldn't, or 
sin of omission, doing not doing something that you should. So even if there's sin in their life, we are called to accept them even in the weakness of their profession. Now, now again, this is not excusing sin. Jesus never excused sin. The, the woman caught in adultery was brought to Jesus and thrown probably naked at her feet as, as they, they said, what are you going to do about that? She was caught literally in the act. And, and Jesus didn't condemn her. He accepted her. But he didn't want her to stay where she was. He told her, don't go and sin no more. He didn't want her to stay put in that lifestyle. Jesus always calls us to sanctification. In fact, in the church, guys, if we have someone that their, their position and what they're doing is something different than what we agree with, our goal and our, our, our purpose should be to lead them towards Christ, to lead them towards holiness, to lead them towards purity, to lead them towards sanctification, but at the whole time, at the same time, accepting them. When uh, 1984, Reed and I moved from Baton Rouge to, to Rushville, uh, I had a unique experience that my college roommate uh, and his wife was a, a lady that had grown up with Rita in a, the church in Topeka, were ministering five miles down the road in DeKalb. So, so when I moved to Rushville, I had someone I knew already right there just down the road to, to, to encourage me. And, and so Dan and I uh, had been close, and we continued to have a close relationship. And, and I remember that first summer uh, talking about different things. And, and, and I remember Dan talking about a guy in his church named George Frakes. I don't know if any of you happen to run across a guy from DeKalb named George Frakes, but, but he kept talking about this guy named George. And, uh, and man, I was, I was excited to meet this guy because he, he seemed like a pretty cool guy. And, and George had not grown up in the church, but, but as an adult, his wife and kids went to church as an adult. He became a Christian and Jan, Dan had the opportunity to baptize him and he started coming to church regularly and, and George started going to Sunday school class. In fact, he got a lady to, to have an, a, a Sunday school class just for guys. They actually crossed the street from the church over to this lady's house. And, and George would catch guys who dropped their wives off for Sunday school. George would catch them and say, come on, you're going to Sunday school with me. And, and suddenly this class grew from a couple guys to about 10 or 12 guys that drank coffee. And, and a lot of them smoked over at Dory Dean's house. But they, they'd go over there and they had this great Sunday school class. And then Dan told me story after story about George leading people to Christ and taking guys that, that had helped him. He was a big farmer and a farmed a, a, a big tobacco farmer, and, and, and guys that would show up to help him, he would say, hey, do you go to church? And if they said no, George said, well, this Sunday I'll come pick you up. And, and all these people ended up in the church at Decab because George, invited, and I'm like, man, i got to meet this guy. First time I did, it was at a, a, a community event where a gentleman had, had died in a, a tragic farming accident, a young, young guy, and, and the, group, the, the community came together to harvest his tobacco. That was my first introduction to tobacco, which... I, if any of you ever done that, uh, I knew then I didn't ever want to have to do that again, but, but, but I ended up helping, uh, house some tobacco, and I, I, I got to meet George. And Dan, Dan brought him over to me and said, Tim, this is George. And, and I think he said something, I may not get it exactly right, but he said something like, well, blankety blank, you guys look just alike. <laughs> I mean, my, I'm sure my mouth dropped, my chin dropped, I'm like, this is the guy you're and, uh, and, and, and the rest of that day, I got to watch George. He was the one that organized this, this deal to house this guy's tobacco. And I got to be around George. And I, I, usually at church, you don't hear a lot of cuss words, but, and so I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I wasn't around it a lot, but man, I heard more cuss words that day from, 
from this George guy. Uh, uh, if someone would drop something, he would blank, he blank, what'd you, you know, he was kidding, but I mean, I mean, how in this Now, now I'll be honest, God, Christ was not glorified in his language. He was a work in progress. There, he was rough around the edges. But who do you think, who do you think Jesus was really more pleased with? George, who maybe used some colorful language, but led people to Christ, who pointed them to the cross, or someone who had it all together, who ne- was never heard to speak a word out of uh, out of a sort that wasn't as excited about his faith. So, so church, we have to accept people. We don't accept their sin. Don't ex- we challenge people to move on and become closer to Christ towards holiness and sanctification. But we accept them uh, where they are. And and finally, we have to accept them in the weakness of their personality. The, the, the reality is we're, we're going to come across people that are hard, uh, that are hard to accept, that are hard. And let me, let me rephrase that a little bit, that are hard to love. There's a lady in our church in Baton Rouge when we were there. I don't remember her name. She was one of these ladies that was hard to love. She wanted to be loved. She wanted to be a part of the group. She wanted to be accepted. She wanted to be someone's best friend. But she just made it so hard. She she was loud and, and oftentimes obnoxious. She was the type when if you were talking to a friend, she would come up and just stand there and and uh, even if it was because sometimes you can tell someone's talking and they just it's just between them two. And most of us pick up on that and we kind of excuse her. Not this lady. She she would just stand there and then she would interject herself into the conversation. Um, and she was that way. I remember one time after church, we were. We were with a group of people there in the church, and this lady's name come up, and a couple of people are kind of talking like, oh, man, she's just so hard to love. And Later that day when we were, we were driving home, Rita and I were talking about it, and I remember Rita saying this, you know what, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be her friend. It's not because she wanted to. It's not because it was going to be easy. It's not because she was going to get something out of it. But she just realized, you know what, this lady's hard, but I'm going to accept her. I'm going to try to accept her. Let's let's move quickly on, and we'll we'll finish up here. So we need to accept one another in um, in the church, even even though people have weaknesses, and and they uh, we may not like where they are, or who they are, or what they're doing, but but we have to accept them. Um, and then finally, we need to, and and this is not implied in the text. This is. Uh, we, we can, or this is not implicit in the text, but it's, I guess we can apply it at least from scripture. We need to accept one another in the community or in, in our bigger sphere, in our bigger world. Uh, Jesus, Jesus broke down barriers. You, you watch Jesus, you read of him in the gospels, and every time he came across people, he broke down barriers, whether it was whether it was a guy with leprosy that he reached down and touched, he broke a barrier. Whether it was a mother with a child that wanted Jesus to embrace them, and, and even though culturally it was just something you wouldn't do, Jesus would take the child and wrap him in his arms and bless him. He broke down barriers. Whether it was the the, the woman, as I mentioned in John 8, caught in adultery, or the woman at the well that, that was living a life of sin and was uh, was was trouble... Uh, Jesus broke down barriers so that he could show people that he cared. Uh, so, so church here, just as a quick application, we need then to build 
build bridges. We need to build bridges, and we do it as we build bridges of service, as we look and embrace our community. Church, something I've been praying about for a year and a half, something I've continued to pray about, something that I invite you to pray about as well and join me in, is that we pray that God gives us opportunities, that God opens our doors and gives us opportunities to serve people in our community, to serve people who are outside the walls of this church, to show them that Jesus loves, and in doing so, build a bridge of, of, of relationship with those same people. We are called we are called to accept one another in the church as well as outside the church. Max Lucado tells a story uh, about a friend of his. Uh, it's actually a story from a friend. So this guy went to a church camp. He was going to be a counselor, uh, a leader at a church camp, and he, he said he arrived late that Sunday afternoon just before it was to start. And he said, as I pulled up and I got out of the car, there was this girl that comes running over. He said, I, I remembered her from the year before. She, she, she had kind of stringy hair and she was a little bit homely and, and had kind of buck teeth and, and was, was just one that was, that, that people struggled to be around. And said so she comes running up to him and, and calls him by name. She remembered him and said, Oh, I'm glad you're working this year. I hope I end up in your family group. The whole time, Lucado says his friend was thinking, I hope you don't. And he said he, he went in and they were already getting ready to, to, to have supper. And as he walked in, the, 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 the cafeteria was full and there was, there was only really one seat. It was over at a table and, and there was only one person sitting at that table. It was the same little girl that had run up to him and, and said, I hope you're in a group. She was sitting there by herself because really no one wanted to be around her. And, and so he had nowhere else to sit but, but there. And, and he sat down and they began to talk and, and then the dean for that week, the, the guy in charge, came over the intercom. And he said, hey, we are we are so full this week. We have so many campers that this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. Wherever you're sitting right now, that's where you're going to sit the whole week at mealtimes. Mikado says his friend just, oh, oh, I'm stuck. They said, you know what? It was uh, It was the most amazing week of his life. He said, meal after meal, he sat with this lady who others kind of just passed by and didn't give her the time of day. But, but he was stuck across the table with her every meal, three meals a day. And they began to talk. And she began to tell, tell her story and began to talk about her heart. And he said, what I found out was this lady who said she was a little rough around the edges. She certainly didn't look very good. But he said, she was so deep. She had so much maturity, maturity spiritually. And he said, I came away from the week blessed. He said, at the end of the week, this girl came as he was getting ready to leave, came up to him and gave him a big hug and said, thank you. Thank you for being my friend. Church, we are called. We are Ouch, that hurt. We are called to turn off the mic. <laughs> Wherever we find people in the church, wherever we are, no matter their position, no, no, no matter what they believe, no matter how they're acting at the time, that's not me. We're called, we're called to accept. We can, we can pray. Father, we thank you this morning that we can serve you. Father, we thank you that you accepted us, as that passage tells us in verse 7, that, that you accepted us. You take us where we are, 
We don't have to earn it. We don't have to do anything special. You just call us and accept us where we are. Father, help us accept one another uh, in your fellowship. Father, give us opportunities in this body and in our community to show that compassion and that love and that compassion.